Hello and welcome to episode six of the Huddersfield Town Social. My name is Greg Moran. Joining me again this week is Cameron Pope, Ian Kilroy, Thomas Fairbank, Gareth Kay, and Matty Gabrielli. Um, gents, another extraordinary week in the life of Huddersfield Town uh, with a new manager uh, signed in from Leeds United. What are we thinking about him, boys? Well, I'll tell you what, Greg. I mean, when I was younger, I used to flirt with a bit of Coronation Street and then I graduated onto EastEnders. But I don't have time for any of that anymore because for the last year, all my time and money and effort had gone on to the soap opera that is Huddersfield Town uh, Football Club. And in the latest episode, well, you know, what can I say? Brand new character on the scene in typical Huddersfield Town mystery fashion. Don't know right lot about him. And so uh, trawling on the old uh, Spanish Wikipedia pages, I think there's a slight... I think the young boy fan of me is excited. There's always something, like just with Wagner, we've seen it before, um, there's just something about the unknown, that mystique that makes you think, do you know what? It could be something special. But that's my heart and my Huddersfield Town head, and I'm trying to keep my podcast ahead on here. It just makes me look at this, my, screen, my computer screen and just shake my head. I mean, Carlos Corbidan, you know, I wish you all the best. I feel that, you know, if we hadn't gone for um, an exciting Spanish exotic manager and Carlos Dios, he must have started escuchando, levanos a la fiera prometida, por favor, hombre. But if not, you know, it would be great. I really want to get behind him, but I just do not know. And so, you know, the revelations for me, I've taken a, I've taken a rather dim view of them, as we all know. I don't want to uh, sound like I'm going to be overly uh, pessimistic, though. I would like to be proved wrong in a year's time. Um, it's just, for me, the lack of information, the lack of transparency is still uh, the worrying thing. That said, though, uh, ties with, begrudgingly, now a Premier League club and ties back with Spain and also Manchester City connections. Perhaps they could sort as well. Uh, but really, it's going to be one for just having to see how this one pans out. I mean, for me, I think I agree with Cam on that. And I, I don't think I can beat that as well. I've got no Catalan or Spanish in my locker, so not sure what to say now. But... Um, yeah, I think it just, I think we're all going to back him. Everyone knows that. No one's going to hope that he fails. But it's it's the way it's been done and the way that we're going to move forward with it back to this recruitment team or transfer committee, whatever it is. It, I don't think the size of the job can be underestimated. And for that reason, I just, I can't feel too optimistic about it. Like Cam said, there's that little bit of excitement there always is. But then I look back at the squad and what we've let we've let a lot of players go. All the short-term signings have gone. Smith Rowe's gone back as well. Grant's obviously on his way. And then I kind of look at the squad that's left. And in all honesty, after watching Barnsley and Luton and the way they finished the season, they're going to try and add a little bit of quality. They're not going to deviate from what they've done. It they're just going to try and push on a little bit. And for for me anyway, it it feels like. We've got the worst squad in the league now. I don't, I don't know anything about Wickham and the teams that are coming up, but it, I look at what's left and it, it's just a shell. And the main thing for me, I just do not trust that recruitment team to improve the squad. It's that recruitment team that's decimated it over the last two summers. And it's that recruitment team that all of a sudden, Phil said, you know what, you can have the reins again and gone straight back to them. And it, I just I struggled to be excited by that. And I struggled to be excited by the fact that we might be blooding through the youth players because we saw on Wednesday night against Millwall, they were comprehensively beaten. And people can say it was a dead rubber. It doesn't matter. Those players had something to prove and they didn't show anything 
really. It, there was just nothing there. And I'm struggling because I think, as you all saw up on Twitter, I trusted the Cowboys to make us better. We said it before um, he got sacked the other day in the podcast that will never be heard. And, yeah, I, I do not trust the recruitment team to improve us. It's never, like, like Cam says, it's never boring, is it? That's for sure. Um, it's our fourth head coach slash manager in 18 months. Um, they're painting it as some kind of new direction, new vision, but let's be fair, three out of the last four have been in exactly the same mould. So unknown, highly regarded coach as well. You know, Sievert was highly regarded and how did that go? You know, it just looks like a smarter Sievert to me, slightly younger and slightly more attractive. Um, I, you know, I, the blow has been given zero wiggle room. You know, I think Devlin and Phil, in trying to deal with the backlash of the Cowley dismissal, have now really, really lamped the pressure on this point. You know, they aren't talking about a two or three year project here. They're basically inferring we're going to be in the top six come, you know, come the end of next season. And, and, I'm, and I'm with you, Tom. I just look at the squad and I just think, wow, this boy really needs to be some coach to A, get some out of the crap that's going to be left behind. You know, I know we'll come on to Devlin's interview in a bit, but you know, he he dodged the question on the Deadwood that's coming back. These, you know, you know my opinion on these guys, but he's going to be expected to turn these lads into world beaters. I, you know, I, I'm with you, Tom. I hope I'm eating humble pie up this time next year. We have a solid mid-table top half finish and we play some good stuff because that's that's what the minimum I'm expecting now after the big build-up. Um, but yeah, the, the boy's got a challenge, so I really wish him all the best. I hope he does well because we all want him to succeed. But you know, he's got a challenge on his hands, that's for sure. Yeah, like Gaz has said, we've not seen this kind of appointment for a huge eighteen months. That's it. That's that, it. Did happen. It happened with Cyrus. It's exactly the same. It's not a new vision. I don't understand what this nonsense is coming from. It's the same thing we had then. We tried it last summer. It failed. We shut out. We thought we've got to do something different here. This isn't working. We've got to bring in somebody who's going to get results straight away and bring players in that will keep us in this division. And we went out and did it in January. We decided to go back to what we were doing before. And we brought a guy in now with such amazing references. I've not seen it since Wadsworth. Like, unbelievable, isn't it? Bobby Robson said he was amazing. And, and that turned out wonderful. This, this can't fail. Pep Guardiola's apparently said something nice. So, lovely. I, I, I think Lee Bromby's wowed. We should all be wild. We should all just be grateful that such a wonderful coach with no head coach experience has decided to choose us as his first team. Honestly, we, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just blown away by it. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's the same thing we've seen before, as Gaz said three times. It worked with Wagner. It worked with at Norwich with Fark, Farker, and then we tried it again with Cyber, and it just, it just, it just didn't work. I think this signifies a huge U-turn in the club from what we did bring in the Cowleys. What they offered the club was performances on the pitch with players of many different ages, not focusing on what their resale value would be in the future. What this is doing is showing that we want to focus on bringing young guys in, improving them in the EDT, bringing them into the first team squad, hoping to perform, selling them, and reinvesting that money into more younger players. That's how we become sustainable, which is the key word that's been thrown about for so many different interviews this last week. It's um, pretty obvious that's the way we're going, and that's why we've gone for an under-23s coach. And that's why we're going back to this wonderful thing we've never seen before, where we play the same formation home and away, because that's something really special. 
And it's really special that the uh, ED team play the same formation that the first team play. That's, no one does that. Barcelona don't do that, do they? They've not done that for 20 years. Ajax haven't done that for 25 years. Brentford haven't done it. No one else has done it. But now for us, it's something special. It, it's, it's the same thing everybody else, every other club tries in the division. It's nothing new. People are trying to push out that it's a Brentford model. It's not a Brentford model. That's not what we're going for. Brentford have FC Midgetland, I think, is it? Up in wherever, Scandinavia somewhere. They've got scouting networks across Europe. We've got a transfer committee, which includes people on the board. So I'm still not sure if Anne Huff, Anne Howe, I don't know if she's got a, a bit of a say in who we bring in or who we don't, or if DTS gets a bit of a say on it. I'm not entirely sure who is on the transfer committee from the board, as was spoken about in the... Uh, in the Devlin and Bromby interviews, it's, it's such a um, strange turn of events from the way we all thought we were going with the Cowleys just six, seven days ago as we record now. It's, it's, um, it is not boring supporting town, but it could just be a little bit easier, couldn't it? We could just get a little bit more enjoyment for a bit longer and a bit of stability, but hey, one day, one day maybe it'll happen. Yeah, I think... I mean, we've all said it, haven't we? We're clearly chasing a Wagner Mark too, and I think that's where the excitement comes from. But like, like you've said, like Gaz and Tom, we've had a Wagner Mark too after Wagner, and that didn't turn out to ex- as we expected. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when the squad's so small and so weak and kind of immature in terms of the experience we've got so the start of the season is going to be regardless who we sign or who we keep or who we manage to kind of step up or how people perform in pre-season the the start of the season's just going to have the biggest impact on on how we get on because as fans we do we do forget quick and we do easy like if we win if we win first six out of six and we're flying high you know, you've kind of forgot that Cowley's kept us up and things have moved on fast. Like, it is fickle. And as fans, it's the here and now. And the, the, the guy who's leading us is who we want to achieve with. But you can't see us getting off to a quick start with, you know, the teams that struggled this year, the Barnsley's, Luton's, Tom said, they're, they're on the up. They've got young squads. They've come through this. They're probably can't ready to get, can't wait to get going again. Whereas, we're, you know, got a slim squad. We're going to have to bring in new players. We're going to have to potentially start a new system again. People have got to get to know each other again. So it's just gutting, really, to see what Cowley's could have done with a full full 12 months, starting from a pre-season and taking us through to see what they could have achieved. Because regardless of what people think the style of football is, if you're winning games and being successful like it, it doesn't matter. So And they've been successful everywhere they've been. So I think it's... It's a it is a big summer and it you know, fans aren't gonna keep giving Phil any sort of slack because you know, we had the hottest managing prospect outside the top flight really and now we've come to Leeds as second second choice, Leeds assistant. So um, and that that's 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 what it's feel town for you, like it's what we expect. It's what we're used to, but it's a big summer ahead and I can't I can't get too excited about it at the minute. We've got, we've got to hit the ground running as well, because you're absolutely right, Matt. This is the bare bones of a squad. Like by, rec- by my reckoning now, we have 12 players on our books who will be capable of starting the first game of the season. And none of them is a goalkeeper. 
obviously he's lost has gone back to Everton. Um, so we've got, by my reckoning, Topolo. I'm not going to count Elphick because I think he's still probably injured and maybe taking up a coaching position as we've, as we've heard. So Toffolo, uh, Hogg, Bakuna, Stearman, Grant, if he stays. We've got Brown, Pritchard, Campbell, uh, Mounier, Schindler. Florin had a Johnny if he came back. Lewis O'Brien. That's not enough. That's not nearly, that's not nearly enough. We have some serious, serious personnel to bring in with some personnel issues now. We have got a lot of business to do in the shortest window on record. I'm worried. And if I was Carlos Corbidan, I'd also be worried because you can have all the contacts you want, but we need backup. We don't just need backup and second choice players, though. We need first choice players. Like we have holes all over the field. That's before you even get onto the prospect of having Ramadan Sobi back at the club, Darby the Akabi back at the club, all these. Uh, Isaac and Benzer. We've still got Bockhorn staying here in the reserves, warming, warming the bench. We have got serious, serious problems. And the season is not that long away now. And so it wouldn't be so bad if you had something to work with from the start, maybe an experienced crop of players. But we don't even really have that. The thing there is, Cam, that's why the Cowleys have gone. That's why they've been booted now before the transfer, some, the transfer windows come in. I think the guys that they'd have brought in again would have been the older, more experienced players that could have delivered on day one, but have limited resale value. The most important thing said in the last few days was identity about 50,000 times anyway. But second to that, sustainability. We, we talk about we want a sustainable club, we want a sustainable club. The Cowleys don't, if you look back at who they've signed previously, at Lincoln, name a big player who's been sold from Lincoln or name two or three recently. Other than Toffolo to Huss, has anyone really moved on from them? They don't, they don't bring in young guys, they don't develop them, they don't sell them high, right? If we want to be a sustainable club, at, as the town website says, according to our new charter, as a top 30 club. We want to be sustainable and top 30. How does that work? I, I'm not entirely sure what the sustainability side town are after. The most important question we need to ask again is, is sustainability to us break even? Or is it, allow, is it, is it budgeting to be within the FFP, the financial fair play whatever it is um, rules of losing five million a year or whatever it is now over three years is that sustainable because under dean hoyle that's what we did he put in money per year town made a loss within the rules never a problem is that what sustainability is in football because if it isn't and all it is is ticket sales and tv money our budget per year is what nine million eight eight nine million ten million or so without the extra money put in by the chairman it's really important to know that because football clubs thrive over time by spending money. That's, what, that's how clubs achieve. All these interviews we've had drive me bonkers because how many times do we have to hear that when there's a problem, we shouldn't throw money at it? What? What, what kind of answer is that? That's nonsense. In the history of football, the answer is spend more money. Liverpool didn't win anything for 30 years playing with people from Liverpool. They went out and bought the most expensive keeper in the world at that point. They went out and bought the most expensive defender in the world at that point. And they've won the league for the first time in 33 years or whatever it is. Not because they're Liverpool and they have this amazing oh, energy that we're, oh, we're an amazing club, we're the best in the world, blah, blah, best fans. No, no, no. It's because you've spent millions on players. That's what you've done. When there's a problem, you put money into it and that's how you achieve. Town are wanting to be a top 30 club, which in all our lives has happened for one season, two seasons, two seasons, I think it is. That's all we've ever achieved. If that Bruce season, I don't know if we finished 10th. If we finished 10th, I suppose that might count as well. But it's never happened. So it happens through spending money. 
we're not going to put money into it by the sound of it. How are we going to do that? We're going to bring in an under-23s coach who's talented at looking at young footballers, thinking, right, yeah, they've got potential. They can perform better. They can achieve. We'll bring them in and we'll develop them. Cam, you're right. We need new players for the first 11, but I think you're going to be pretty disappointed in who we bring in. I don't see us bringing in more than four players, five first-teamers to start off with. And that's because we're going to get that usual guff of Diakabi comes back in. It's going, oh, he's like a new signing. He's returned. He's playing under this new system. He's, he's never, oh, wow. He's on fire. He's, he's bagging goals for fun in training. I can't wait to see him on the pitch on a Saturday. He's going to surprise fans. He's like a new signing. And that's going to be the same for Mbenza. You say we haven't got a goalkeeper. We do have a goalkeeper, Cam. We've got Ben Hamer. And he's, he's going to come back as a new signing because he's going to be wonderful in training in the summer. Because that's what clubs that don't necessarily have the most money to spend on transfers come out with. And if that doesn't come out this summer, I think we would all be more surprised than if it did. Right? Let's be honest. Well, that's what we're expecting, right? So I, I see three, four first-team signings. The reason why we've brought CC in to, to manage the club is because what we're going to do, in my opinion, is look at bringing in three or four players for 200 grand from lower leagues, League One, League Two, unproven, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. We're going to chuck him in the EDT squad and on the side there, I know the club keep calling it the academy. We're now rumoured in bringing in two players. Um, Iman from, is it Gotts from Leeds, who's been there since he was 10. Academies don't work, but he's been there since he was 10. And um, the other guy that I can't pronounce from Wigan, who's also been there for quite a while. We're now looking at bringing other guys from other teams' academies, and we refer to ours as having an academy. And it is an academy according to the FA. But when you've only got an EDT and an under-18 squad, and the under-18 squad includes 17-year-olds mainly that have got professional contracts anyway, to me, that's not the academy that I, I, I think it is. So what we have, we have, a, we have a first team, we have a B team, and we have a youth team. We're going to flood our B team with players we hope are going to be good enough to step up in the near future. We're going to spend money on players like Karoma, like uh, Reese Brown last year. They're, that's what we tried last summer. That's why this new vision stuff just drives me crazy. We tried this last summer. We brought in these young guys thinking Mbenza could perform in this division after we dropped down, that Mooney had perform. It hasn't happened. They had to go either into the first team and, and was found, were found out, so they had to go out on loan because our, our B team just disappeared. It was panic stations. It all went off. And now we're trying to redo it again. And the only way you can do it is by bringing in young lads for 200, 300 grand instead of bringing in the one for a million, which is what the Cowleys probably did or what they wanted. And that's why the change of direction, that the visions weren't the same. That's where the vision wasn't the same. The club want low, low risk, low pay, high reward, high risk. And that's what they're after. They're after developing players and making big money on somebody like Bellingham, who's just gone for 26 million. This, that's the risk town want to take, not bringing in 27, 28 year olds who can perform and not be worth much anyway. Isn't a problem with that though? And you look at a lot of people trying to say we're Brentford Mark too, that, um, We've done this before, even before last summer. We brought in uh, Jake Carroll, the left-back, when Ross Wilson first came in. Was it uh, the lad from Danny Stryker? I can't remember his last name. Danny Danny Carr. Danny Carr. Carr. Yeah, Yeah, Danny Carr. We brought in these players. Jake Carroll got a few first-team games. They were awful, let's be honest. We tried tried this six, seven years ago. Because we try to do it on the cheap. Even if you're going down this road of bringing other young players in to a squad and developing, you still have to put some outlay in. We could have signed James Tarkovsky quite a few years ago for 300 grand. The club didn't sanction that signing. He goes to Brentford, 
they build him up, he gets sold for is it twenty million to to Burnley. So whatever method that we use, there needs to be some payment for players. And if you're going on what happened last summer, you look at Reese Brown, who's pretty much surplus the requirements. You look at um, Josh Caroma, who was it four hundred grand? He didn't really look anywhere near the level that we needed. This is trying to find a needle in a haystack. And ultimately, it goes back round to the recruitment side of it. Is our recruitment team good enough? Well, judging on the last two, two, three years, no, they're not. And they're still there. And that's my biggest concern, because if we end up going down this route of signing young players, trying to develop them, if none of them are good enough, we're going to be a League One club. Because, as you say, the first team just isn't good enough. And and perhaps if they want to go down this route, they have to A, make sure the first team is good enough to compete in this division and B, then focus on bringing these players through. Because without having a sustainable championship squad, a sustainable championship team, this won't work. But how, how far does that does that committee go, do we know? Because if if they sat around it like you envisage it, they sat on a table, they're discussing a, a right back saying they're chatting about at some point these these names must get put in front of the coach to be like, all right, let's go with this one. That there's what where's where's the line between what the transfer committee do and and who has a final yes on it? Because there's no point I know that they don't want a, a manager coming in saying, Right, go out and get Joe Bloggs from this club, please. Like, go get him at all costs. But there's, there has to be some crossover between the manager, head coach, whatever, Carlos wanting them and what the committee find. Like, I, don't, I never buy into this. Or the, the coach says, oh, we need a new right back, go out and explore. And they come back and they sit around the table and discuss it. Like, what is, what is the process of signing a player? Like, when you've got a committee, like, I don't actually know what it is. But for me, it, like, I think that's exactly it. So Phil needs to come out and tell us what actually goes on and how that actually works. Because as far as I can see, if we're getting told that this recruitment team is told what position to, to recruit a player, they go out, find the options, present the options to the manager, and then, or the head coach as it is now, and then I see that final say as the head coach going kind of, all right, yeah, that one. But at that point, to me, that's not having a say. That's someone putting a player in front of you and whichever one they convince you is the best, the head, co- the head coach just says, yeah, fine, I'll have that one. And to me, that it just can't be right. I just cannot see that that works at other clubs. Like, what do they see? What does the head coach see? Like, the YouTube clips that we see of a player and everyone gets excited. Can't we go back to just signing players who play well against town? <laughs> well, might as well. They'd be better than what the recruitment team usually signs. Yeah. Oh, sustainability is a red herring anyway. It's, it's the latest, along with identity and DNA, it's the latest buzzword. Um, you know, how can a club that's probably going to lose 20 million quid this year talk about sustainability? What a load of fucking nonsense. Right, fair. You know, this is a club that before promotion had a turnover of 11 million quid. So, you know, to talk about sustainability, it's crack- we'll never be sustainable in the championship. It's impossible. Um, you know, Devlin was talking on his interview about salary caps. You could tell he's desperate. 
He's desperate. You know, and the transfer committee thing, Devlin on his interview said, they've already identified the areas that need improvement. They've already identified what qualities those players need to bring, both as footballers and as individuals. Doesn't sound like Carlos is having much input into that to me, lads. And, you know, this talk of, you know, and Killer's right, they're talking about replicating the Brentford model. Yeah. For all the reasons Ian said, but you know the biggest one? The biggest one is we're not in London. You know, the chance of recruiting European players who've never lived in this country before, chances are they don't speak the language. Do you want to go and live in London and play for Brentford, or do you want to come and live in Huddersfield and play for Huddersfield, you know, which is the most attractive? That's why Congolo ended up at Fulham, because he didn't want to be in Yorkshire. He wants to be in London. So, you know, this sustainability thing is a massive red area. And, and I'm with you, Matt. I think, you know, the transfer committee thing is just a... What the hell is that all about? Who sits on it? What What, what is their aim? How do they identify these people? It, it just... It, the questions go on and on. More questions than answers, that's for sure. I just don't get how they've identified players already. That's the part that... Like, how can CC Carlos come in, right? He's got a real strong belief in his system. But we've already picked the players you're going to have, mate. So you, you take what we've got for you and you make them play your system. We don't know what your system is, by the way, because in any interview, we haven't said shit on the what we're actually playing. Apparently, it's attacking football. If any one of us six on this call right now can say what formation we're going to play, is it possession-based? Is it chance-based? Is it, is it, are we looking at st- like XG statistics? Is that what we're going to go for? Are we going to try and count what the other team are doing? All I've heard is we're going to do the same thing we do at home away from home and now we all know that's from David Wagner that's where that that little statement's come from and what's happened there is Town have gone to Carlos and said we want to play the same formation home and away and the first bit of data the first bit of interview that came out from the club from Carlos said that exact same thing this new vision is the exact same thing we had three three four years ago who but what gets me who believes it who listens to it and reads it and thinks Oh wow, yeah, wow! Look how new we are. We are, we are forward thinking. We're we're doing what's never been done before. We're not doing the Brentford model. It's quite clear what model we're doing. It's the Peterborough model. That's what we're after. That's what people are missing. It's not Brentford. It's Peterborough. Peterborough buy cheap. They buy loads cheap. Some of them pay off. They overperform a little bit. Like they make the championship on their six thousand people in the stadium every week. We're a bit bigger than that. We are. We get ten thousand every week 12,000 every week and army tickets were sold are 18 but in the stadium we, we expect what 10 12,000 guys I think I think we're, we're happy to accept to be honest that we're a lower championship club I know if top 30 is in the charter is what we want to we, we that's the dream the dream's top 30 we've already been higher than that so we're accepting less than what we've had already anyway and I think upper league one lower championship clubs what we're going for if we're going sustainable in my opinion, the thing that really upsets me about this sustainable nonsense, I'd rather a supporters trust on it. If, if we're going sustainable, why do we need a chairman who's a multimillionaire if he's not going to actually have to put anything in if we're going break even? That's why I'd really like the club to come out and say, we're not going break even, we're going to play under financial fair play. Phil, as he said before, would be able to invest the same that Dean did. He said that in one of his first interviews. He intended to... Um, the club for the club to run at a similar budget to when what, what Dean managed. Now I understand things have changed in the COVID nineteen world. Things are different now. He has a lot of business in China that's been massively affected. I know that being here in Australia, a lot of our businesses from China, we're struggling. I understand that, but the club at least could tell us. At the moment, we're getting buzzwords. We're getting buzzwords, and maybe a few idiots are believing it. 
maybe I'm an idiot for not believing. Maybe maybe I'm an idiot for questioning it. But it just seems um, it seems business jargon to me. It seems empty. It seems hollow. It seems like we're at, we're expecting to um, go back to where we were very quickly because the money's already been already been spent. And I think another thing we said was okay, even if we have a bit of turnover this summer, I'm pretty sure something was said on on the next year's budget was based on forecasted player sales this summer. So the real worry is as the market's dropped out its ass, we're not going to sell players with the same value as they were probably worth six, seven months ago. So is that going to even um, hamper us further? And if it does, that would support the um, suggestion that we brought in Carlos to um, target signing young players on the cheap, developing them, hoping we can sell them like billing for 15, 16 million, reinvesting that and um, improving our, our uh, ability to pay higher salaries for uh, another couple of years on the back of it. And I think, I think that's, that's what this all points to for me anyway. Well, I, th- I think it's interesting now what you're saying about, about the whole, um, well, many interesting points you've just had in the last few minutes, but particularly about the, uh, the, the, the fan ownership exactly, because you sort of would imagine that that would be preferential, because that equally doesn't really lead to success. It might lead to sustainability. And so what do we want? Do we want a sustainably run business or do we want a football club? And for me, the most troubling thing and what we've all just been hinting at is we've gone from community club, uh, pride of the town, to a sustainably run PLC corporation business and 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 for me this doesn't work if you have and look the transfer committee may have done all the research in the world they may be may have the tactical nous of many many years of football manager but you know we if you have non-footballing people making those decisions that that worries me slightly that worries me slightly that's why I I'm always for, you know, a bit of a money ball and taking football forward. But for me, maybe I'm old school in the fact that I prefer just a traditional manager who has his system and can execute his own decisions. That's the worrying thing. And that's why fan ownership doesn't really work. Look at Ebsfleet. You know, they um, went fan-owned. They had had their fans picking their squad. Didn't really bring them a a mountain of success. They never made it into the Football League. Wrexham have been fan-owned for many years now. They've just been clinging on to uh, their National League position. And that's a second division team. That's the second division team of towns similar size who are struggling. Okay, so it doesn't really work. There's not really an example, I don't think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, in English football where this model has worked. And so I feel like we're concentrating far too much. The model we've gone for is, is, is a model that a far bigger club may be able to execute and a far more, a far safer club. But what we're trying to do, it's like, it's like we're trying to build a sustainable rainforest on quicksand. We haven't got the foundations in place to be able to do this. And so do people, are people not aware that really if we can start building for the future, we've got a very, very worrying present here, a very, very worrying present. And, and you know, I wasn't, even, I wasn't even thinking with regards to the projected player sales because, you know, COVID as well and thrown into the mix is throwing, as you say, everything in jeopardy. And so, and so really, exactly, does, I, I wonder how much CC has... Uh, how how much control he has over this situation. I hope that he's pulling more strings than, than we're giving him credit for and that we're aware of. But it's very, very worrying. And has he just been put in as a puppet? And is this, you know, a chance to have a, a crack at English second division? I really, really hope I'm wrong. And I'm, But that's the way that I'm leaning at the moment. And And again, I think this is why we want just a bit of transparency. Like I think you said, Tom, just we want to really know who's doing what and all right okay we're not we're not part owners of the club you could say okay it's not our business we don't run it but we're fans and we put a lot of time effort and money into the club and you know we, we, we we're often told especially this year that fans are the soul of football so I think a lot of people would just appreciate 
appreciate less buzzwords and maybe a bit more substance in what exactly is going on. Because at least then if we don't completely agree with it, at least we understand it a bit better. It's accountability, Cam. With a football manager, they are accountable and they get, they're the dispensable, sackable ones. If you have a, in, in the Cowleys, you know, you know that they're, do what formation they're playing, you know they're picking the players, you know they've signed the players. If it fails, you expect them to be sacked. But if you have a transfer committee bringing in players that the head coach can't get anything out of, what did the club do? They've got a choice. Do they sack the head coach because they think they're not good enough, which is more, more than likely going to happen, or do they, do they sack the transfer committee? Now, that transfer committee, the same recruitment team have been there for the last few summers. They've been abysmal. They're the ones that should be going. So when it comes to that point, and it will, let's be honest, it will come to that point because we've done it throughout, you know, with Pathways and Mark Robbins. They wouldn't give Mark Robbins what he needed. So he played Matt Crooks at centre-back and he was sacked. And we had to get in a, a, a Chris Powell, who was, let's be honest, a results manager. He was your keep you in the division manager. If we keep flip-flopping between these, the philosophy of uh, whatever we're going down, as Ian said, the, the Peterborough model, and then staying in the division model, then we'll just keep repeating them same mistakes time and time and time again. So if they are going to go down this model, they need to stick with it. But I don't think they will. And if they do stick with it and it fails, they need to hold the people... the in. Uh, Basically, they need to hold those accountable that actually are accountable. Because otherwise, I feel that Carlos is on a hide into nothing. It's not even the playing style that they keep banging on about that was the identity. They've kind of, they're contradicting themselves a bit in these interviews because they're saying, oh, we're going back to the no limits that we had under Wagner. And, but we're also going, like, having this vision and this new identity and everything like that. Well, sorry, but for me, the identity under the club when Wagner was here was that we were a community club that had great links with its fans. The play, the football, yeah, it was good, but we had a negative goal difference. Uh, we didn't score loads. I think we won 22 games by one goal. It wasn't free-flowing. Like Leeds have just gone and beat teams 3-4 pretty much every week and won the league doing that. Like, the fans forget that their favourite players under Wagner were the fighters. It was your Kachungas. It was your Hefs. That's what they liked. Like people thought, oh yeah, Van Lepare, like at the time, people got frustrated with him. They liked him a little bit. But now it's like, oh yeah, let's bring him back because he's a flair player. Let, let's get him back. He was brilliant. You're like, no, he wasn't. I think he contributed like something like two assists. Like, you've got to do more. He, he could barely kick a ball. Like he moved it from back to front quickly. And that did a job for us. But he didn't create stuff. And it I just, I just feel like, and it's one of the reasons that I've, I'm still quite down about the whole thing, is that we weren't just a club that played all right football within a high-press attacking game or whatever. We had everything at that point. We had great community links. There were charities that Dean Oyle had set up. The communication with the fans was brilliant. Right? But the days of the chairman going down and doing a fans forum at a working men's club are gone. Right? All we've got now is a chairman that sits on another podcast and gets a, an easy ride answering questions that aren't really questions. He might as well just go on the club's YouTube channel like they have done with all these other guys in the last week. Like, it's just, there's just nothing. The soul of the club 
that was there that we all loved has just been ripped out. And they can say this, this new vision and everything, but to say they're then also going back to this no limits thing, they're not because the whole club had a no limits philosophy at that point. And we, we've just lost it all, if you ask me. We're going into this corporate structure that you, you don't run a football club on a corporate structure on the budget that we've got, like we've already said. And it, I just, I just don't see how it's going to work. I, I, just, I just can't get excited by it. Well, I, I, I'm a, <clears throat> what was noticeable during Devlin's interview was the number of times he referred to the football club as the business. That that, that allowed me because I'm, I'm I'm with you, Tom. I think that that set a few alarm bells ringing. You know, we keep going on about the identity. We're as bad as they are. We keep mentioning it, don't we? But you know, the reality. Somebody, as one of my mates put on Twitter. Who doesn't want a team that's fast-flowing, attacking, high-press football? If somebody says to you, would you like to your team to play like that, what are you going to say? No, no, I'd much rather be youthful to a big centre-forward than shit hours for goals. It's not, you know, we all want to see good quality football. And you're right, you know, the Wagner era, it was exciting and it was exhilarating and the no-limits thing really rang true. And it did to me, you know, personally, I really, as an individual, I felt connected to the team and connected to the club. Uh, and, uh, and I think the difference is actually when you think about the Wagner era, you're right, it was pretty dull. Some of the football was awful. But I tell you what it was, it was winning football. And, and that's my worry in all this, that actually there's a, there's a, a leaning here to um, quantity rather than quality. They want to look at the quality, you know, how many chances we create per game, how many yards do we cover, how many passes have we made, you know, rather than the, one, the only statistic that really matters in football which is how many goals did we score and did we win the game? Um, you know, on the 1st of February, the Q&A that Phil did in Fulham, and I was there, you know, he was really pulling up the cowards. He was over the moon, he recruited them. He talked about the transfer window and he used the word, and it, it stuck with me, it was an awesome transfer window. Those were his words. Yet, according to Devlin's interview, within three or four weeks of that, the club had decided that Danny and Nicky were not on the same page. And what, what's, what's changed in that time? Devlin's arrived. You know, I voiced my concern that Devlin was the one really leading what's going on at the minute on the last podcast, and I continue to think that that's the case. You know, the bloke's got a vision. I mean, agree or disagree with the vision or the like, but he considers this to be a business. And maybe that's why Phil brought him in. Maybe Phil's decided he's too emotional and too close to it, and he needs somebody who doesn't have that emotional attachment. So, you know, if that's the reality behind it, then actually you've got to give the bloke a bit of kudos. But we're all guessing. That's the problem. We've no idea why he's here. We've no idea what his view is. And, you know, as you as said, they don't even know what formation we're going to play. How are we supposed to build our excitement for the forthcoming season on information like that? But the only thing we've been told so far is that I think they have said, I think Bromby came out yesterday and said we're going to play 4-3-3. But, I mean, that relies heavily on wide players. Like, the one thing we don't have, the one thing we've always been terrible at recruiting, like, you can try play like Liverpool, but your wide players have got to be your goal scorers and almost play with a false nine. Or your wide players have got to be getting assists every game. And like, like I said, our top assist maker was Kwana. And he, he came off the bench most of the time and barely even played. So if they're going to play 4-3-3 like he said, there's going to have to be some serious recruitment in those positions because we've got no one. We've got absolutely nobody in those positions anymore. We got a damn dick, Carby. What are you on about? I'm not going to watch him again. He's like a new signing. Gaz, what he's saying about Matt Devlin is, is right, and this is why a lot of people are getting excited that we are 
going to do what Brentford have been doing. And Brent, but Brentford have been doing that six years. They've had FC Michelin, who provide everything for them, as Ian said earlier. But I, I, I watched something with, uh, with Thomas Frank, their, their head coach, and this is why it's going to be different here. Thomas Frank said, you know, we get all this data supplied to us as players that we should look at, but it's my eye that picks the player to sign them. And I don't think it's going to be like that at Huddersfield Town. I think you are going to have players foisted upon a head coach who doesn't really want them. It's going to be more like a national team where you you pick from the pool that you're given, um, which is also you know off 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 kilter. Is often why I thought that many football managers, especially national managers, should be head coaches because it, it's not a football management game. I don't see Carlos having much same signings, which is a massive concern to me, because if you want an identity, the identity is what the manager or the head coach provides. If people are picking your players for you, it just doesn't work. Because you could, you've seen that through many clubs and many times. I don't want that player, I'm not going to play. And it might come down to that. And it's going to end up, and that's why I fear it's going to end up being an absolute shitstorm at the end of this. Because the fans are already on edge. They're already divided. I, I'm, I'm critical. I'm, I'm critical for the reasons that I love the club. But you've already got people coming out with sayings like, well, it's not Danny Cowley FC, it's Huddersfield Town FC. Well, it's Huddersfield Town FC. It's not Phil Hodgkinson FC. It, it's ridiculous that the, the way that some people treat the football club. We are all stakeholders. We all have a say. And we can vote with our feet. And I, I fear it's going to end up with... in the. To go back to to bring it back to Cam's opening statement, in the massive soap, soap opera there is Huddersfield Town. It's always been a soap opera from when I was a kid, from Barry Rubery to uh, to Ken Davy to the share issues, etc. It's just going to continue down that that way, down that path, because their communication is abysmal, and that's the big thing for the club. They need to get that right, and it's been wrong for a long, long time. For them, directors above, Devlin and Hodgkinson, they've got to allow the communication out because there are a lot of people who are really, really not happy with it, the way it's going and there isn't that transparency. Yeah, I think that goes back to what um, what Gaz and Tom said as well, that when, when we had Wagner and it was the no limits and everything else that came with it and the stuff in the community, the behind-the-scenes stuff, Yes, we was winning and it's easy for everything to look hunky-dory and everything's great when you're winning and we know we're always in the top six so everyone loved the club. Are we great in the community? The players are doing this, the chairman's doing this but actually, you do think that if um, like results started to have a downturn or if we'd have, we'd have slowly slipped to the kind of mid-table there'd have still been a positive feeling about the club like a good atmosphere from fans there was a connection between fans and players, fans and manager, players and manager. And that was brought about by like the whole thing. That was kind of a Huddersfield Town message getting put out there, not a, a chairman's message or the board's message. Like it was like the, the force was was the club, right from like it's easy to say now, I guess, like the preseason stuff where they went on this training camp overseas, but everyone just felt they could connect with the club a little bit because it was it was our club, we, we could relate to it, we could see what was going on. And yeah, we was winning and we were playing well and we were getting good results. So it's easy to 
keep supporting and, and keep banging the drum. But actually, if we'd have tailed off and we'd have finished, you know, 12th and had a bit of hope, but it didn't work out, you know, we got City in the cup and little things like this, we'd have still all celebrated that season as a great success because, you know, the whole message from the club was, you know, was positive and the fans were kind of put at the forefront of what was happening, even though we had a, you know, this this new manager and this this revolution, you know, it was dubbed going on. But actually, it was just the case of the fans were just, you know, connected again and regardless of the results. But it seems like now, in such a short space of time, it's like us v them almost. And there's there's a kind of a barrier there that needs breaking down. And I don't know what the answer is to achieve that. Like, if we start winning and we're top at Christmas, you know, it's everything will be everything will be great again but there's a long way to go before that happens and you know it's not just things that go on the pitch it's there's a lot of message I think that needs to come from from the top and it's kind of a shame that we've not actually heard from Phil because there's a pot there's been a few times where he's he has put himself out there and spoken out hours at that um event pre-Fulham like you was Gaz and you know like it's good to see him speak to the fans directly but we haven't actually heard anything from from this chairman, I think there's been one or two quotes or sentences in like the the external message to the Carlos leaving and the incoming stuff for for Carlos coming in. But yeah, I just feel like there's a, there's always a chance to reconnect with fans when there's managerial changes. But yeah, you just kind of don't feel the love again for the town at the minute. You're right, Matt. I think what you're trying to get at there, right, is that under Wagner, the entire club was congruent. Everything was at one. Everything was the same. You, you didn't have the CEO and the chairman and then Wagner at the side. You had everybody coming together, right? We're all yeah, coming together at that point. And that's what we're trying to do again now. That, that's what people are saying. But it just, until we see it, until we feel it, it just sounds empty, doesn't it? It feels a bit like they're saying it doesn't mean anything. One of the biggest reasons why I, I kind of haven't bought into it, I'm, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid just yet, is this transfer committee shit, as Greg went on about before, right? For example, Diakabe. There's two versions of the same story. We get, we get it all the time. One's Wagner never saw him play. He wasn't even like fourth on the list and that Limbaum or whatever was, was above him, right? Okay. And the other one is that he was number one on the um, transfer committee's list and Wagner, Wagner saw him and we brought him in. What's worse? Either that the manager didn't see him and we got him, or the transfer committee had him as number one and we got him anyway. It's both. It's, it's, it's terrible either way you go. And the biggest problem of that is that we've got the same people involved making the same decisions, but this time it's going to be even better and it's new and it's going to work and we're going to rip it up. And we're... The, the mission statement of the club changed. When, when Dean Hall was here, we had, I think, a list of six or seven different words and one of them was integrity, which everyone still bangs the drum about now. At the moment, it's three words, I think, if you go on the website. Working, class, club. Class, mm, I might take that out of it and totally ignore that part of it. But if we're talking about working class football, I don't know what could be more working class football than the Cowley system. That's working class football to me. It's long ball, hoof it, effective, winning football, proven to work, English players, determined, 300 DCMs in a squad. We'll chuck a right back at DCM. He'll do a job because he can tackle that kind of football. Big striker, little striker. I love it. I'm mad for it. That's, a, that's the type of football I, I associate with. That's working class football. This new system isn't working class football. A Spanish lad coming in playing Bielsa ball. What, is, that, is that working class football to anyone? 
like it's that that it, it's not a big deal. It, I'm making something something out of something that I suppose isn't a big problem in itself, but it just shows the the lack of congruence within the club. There's there's nothing there. It's A says this thing, B says that thing, C does this, D does that, and at the end, fans have to go and watch it, and it's shit. And it has been last year. Carlos might be fantastic. It's okay joking about Wadsworth getting the same references. That's taking the piss a little bit. That's not that's not fair on him. He deserves a clean slate. It's not his fault what's happened. I hope he comes in and he's the best manager ever. I hope he's the best we've ever seen. I hope he comes and plays the best football and I will give him every chance possible. I imagine most of us here will. The problem is there is a uh, vocal, and they can say it's minority, but it's not. It's the vocal majority. Won't give him that chance. And if this season doesn't start well, we're going to have the same season we had last year. He'll be gone by Christmas. He'll be gone in the new year. They'll say, oh, his fault, his fault, his fault. Not getting, not getting enough out of the lad, blah, 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 blah. We'll bring another old school manager and they'll be gone in the summer afterwards again to bring this new vision in again. That's the fear that we're at the moment on a, on a, side, a hamster wheel that, that, that looks like it's never going to end. This might be the end. Maybe he is the answer. The problem is there's no, there's no CV behind him. There's, there's nothing that... It's a guess. If you have faith in him, that's, that's a belief. It's nothing based on facts, is it? It's just a feeling. Maybe it will work, but at the moment we've heard nothing. Nothing on his style of football. He sounds like he's going to get players provided to him by a transfer committee. They've already identified them. And between them, um, Lee Bromby's first real job in scouting and, and signing players was with us, I think. I don't know what he did at Leeds. I think it was just coaching. I don't think it was recruitment. So the head of football operations isn't that experienced. Phil Hodgkinson's well, he's less experienced at Twitter than all of us, for starters. Let's just get that out of the way. He's made a few uh, rookie errors there, and, and thankfully he's, he's seen the errors, errors of his ways and he's not on there anymore. Um, but the club's full of people that are either inexperienced or that have been there a long time and made so many mistakes that the faith that fans have in them is kind of probably more than it should be, based on, on my opinion anyway. Hopefully um, Devlin can sort it out a little bit, but... Then again, he, he was in Ireland after leaving Brentford. I don't know quite why he went over there. Um, I thought he'd have stayed in the English game if he was so wonderful. I just, I just feel like I don't have much faith just yet in, in what we have behind the scenes. And, and they seem to have such a big say on everything that goes on on the pitch at the moment. And um, that generally in, in, in football history hasn't worked out too well. Hopefully Carlos has got, has got the gonads to, to stamp his his um, vision of, of Huddersfield Town on, on everybody else. Hopefully he can drag it forward because I think that's what we were all wanting with the Cowleys. We wanted them to help everybody else improve. Instead, I think they wanted more than we were willing to give and hopefully Carlos can find a nicer way of doing it because if not, um, it's another rough season ahead. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Ian. It, it's essentially, we'll all get behind Carlos and every fan will want him to do well. But, for that to happen, we're going to have to put our trust and our faith again in what goes on behind the scenes at the club. And this is a club that started last season with a fake kit that caused the chairman to ask a referee to cancel a fucking game. Right? And then ended the season with the Danny Simpson contract debacle thing. So it's like, where is this trust and faith in the club going to come from? We need to hear more than just... We're going to play fast, attacking, aggressive football. Great. I would love to see it. If we're going to go off and suddenly play like Leeds did last season, Liverpool, Man City, 
brilliant, but they've got to deliver the players to do it. And behind the scenes, I think I made a list of all the fuck-ups from last season, and it was like 14, 15 long. I'm not going to reel it off, but it it was just embarrassing. Like the, I, I do not know where these fans that are getting excited have got this trust and this, this faith from. Well, I do. It was like one of them's mates with chairman, so obviously he's got some trust and faith in it. But other than that, like he can go on that podcast and he can say, we have got a top six squad. We have got a better team than Leeds United, who've just won the fucking league. Like He can say that all he wants. And people can then say, oh, yeah, great, we do. Yeah, we've got a coach now. And this coach is brilliant. He might be. But it's not going to turn that bullshit into gold. So I, I'm just... I'm struggling with that trust. I, I just don't know where it's going to come from. And there's going to have to be a quick turnaround and some good communication from the club for that to happen. The actions speak louder than words, Ferbs. And the actions of the club over the last year, even two years, have been awful. And there is that communication. But you're right, you look at... I mean, the Danny Simpson debacle kind of says it all for me as a football club. <laughs> You know, you had people trying to, to put stuff on Twitter about Danny Simpson, trying to, it's obviously been leaked out from somewhere at the club, some information, inside information, and, and it turns out that was bollocks. And what, what had actually happened uh, in regards to Simpson was true. Uh, Lee Bromby had to come out and say it. And it's that kind of, it, you know, we talk about communication as an, an entity, but it is, you've got, People leaking out stuff that didn't really happen under uh, under Wagner, and there's it, they're trying to play fans off against each other. They're trying to uh, you know diss Simpson's name, uh, try and get fans on their side saying, "Oh, he asked for this money, more money than everyone else. It's a disgrace." Well, no, the club said they'd do it, and then they renegade on it. You know, we go on about it all the time, but that probably 2015 to 2017 when Wagner came in, you had a, a disillusioned club. They saw something immediately. The minute, I mean, I was sat with you that game against Middlesbrough. For 60 minutes, we looked class. And then when the fitness levels dropped off, it went. And you could see what he was trying to do. And then you saw from that summer with the transfer signs what he wanted to do. Everything fell into place. They're trying to do that again, but nothing's fallen into place because they've timed it wrong. They've, they've sold a load of bullshit in regards to the Cowleys. they the communication in its entirety has been awful. The working class club mantra, it's pathetic, if we're being quite honest. I'm not sure what agency got paid to do that, but they've had your pants down town. It's bollocks. I can tell you that because I've seen it all along with agencies spinning a yarn to get 100 grand out of companies. It's awful. And you, you mix it all together and you, you're demanding trust now in a new system, which is a rehash, in a new coach, I, I struggle to give it. I will be, you know, I'll just say what I think. And what I think at the moment, you have a club that is in crisis. This is the last roll of the dice, I think, for a lot of things. I want him to do well. I'm, this, is, this is when I saw that comment saying, it's not Danny Caldy FC, it's Huddersfield Town FC. It really pissed me off because I am a Huddersfield Town fan and I want Huddersfield Town to succeed. But you can't rely on blind loyalty throughout this. We're all sat here and we're making great points because we are fans. We are constructive. We put our money into it. 
and when you know you saw OT last week saying he was thinking not uh, about Sean not going to renew his season ticket, and you had loads of people at him. That's the toxicity that comes from it. A divided fan base, uh, anger, and it ultimately you, you will end up with people taking their money out of the club, leaving it in a worse position. And that comes from the poor communications within the football club. That's why Wagner got it. It was great under David Wagner. And it was probably great under Lee Clark in that, was it 2009, when we signed all employers because everything came together. So you can't, make these big changes without having a blueprint and the fans on board and they haven't done either and I fear for Carlos but I really really want him to do well because let's face it we all want a successful team and and just because you're critical of the club doesn't mean you don't want it to be successful it's constructive criticism and it's what they need I think that's it Greg we've gone from results guys to this vision and it's 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 an absolutely massive gamble and I I just football is a results game that is the biggest cliche you ever hear in football is well a manager is going to get sacked because football is a results game and we've just got rid of two of the best results guys in the football league in favour of this vision and identity that has absolutely no substance to it I know we're being negative I don't like being negative, but even though people probably disagree with that, I love it really. Um, but I was, I was doing a lap at cricket yesterday and a uh, young lad goes to me, 16, 17, and he goes to me, go on, give me a positive about town. And I was trying to think, and the only one I could come up with was um, it's great to see people like Danny Schofield uh, and John, John Worthington at the club succeeding. So I'm going to put that question to you guys. Can you give me one big positive that we can take from this at the minute. We've still and I think that silence game. speaks a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we've still got a football club. Um, that That's about it. If we wanted to, we could probably pay and go and be one of the 10% that will be allowed in the stadium or whatever. Um, and there might be clubs that don't. I, I mean, 50 or 60 won't go bust, like Phil said. But, um, yeah, we've still got a football club. Yeah, you're right, Tom. We, we talked to, when we talked about Wigan the other week, you know, that, that could have been us when, when Dean sold up. That could have been us. So, you know, it's not, Phil's coming for a lot of stick today and, and across social media. And, and my position remains unchanged. You know, actually, I think the bloke genuinely, I think he's doing his best. And I think he's coming for some really unfair criticism. I think everything's been aimed around today. It's not about Phil as an individual. It's about the club and Phil plays a big part of that club. So, you know, everybody that's listening to this and thinks we're having a dig at Phil, for me personally, there is none of that. And I think that's my positive is that, you know, you've got to remember when Dean took over, Dean made some big mistakes as well. And I think Phil's just got to learn and learn quick. Um, you know, I've questioned why he's brought Devlin in. I hope that we have a really good start to the season. But, you know, for me, the positive, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. We've still got a team to support. We've still got a club and, you know, we've still got a club that's owned by somebody who fundamentally still has the best interest of Huddersfield Town at heart and, and, and that, you know, that for me is a positive. 
I agree, lads. I mean, every single one of us here and every single person in that town boardroom wants the same thing, and that's what they want, a successful football club in Huddersfield. And, you know, if we had an outsider listening to this podcast, they may think, well, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what do they have to complain about? Because we could have easily been ended up in the Northern Counties West playing against Golke United next season. You know, there's, there's teams at a similar level to us that have gone and done that. And so, you know, this may seem that we're, that we're being overly picky uh, and, and I think you know you're right to say there, Gaz, that this none of this is is is, is uh, a character assassination or anything like that. If anything, it just wants to be constructive debate about the future of the club. And I think those involved and those supporting the club have very very contrasting opinions at the moment. And so, look, I'm sure we'd all love to be wrong and love to just see this all come together in, in the best way possible. And we'll be the first to admit that hey, you know we. We, we didn't hold that much hope for CC, but we really, really, really hope he does well. And, 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 and we will give just as much praise as we've given criticism if that does ring true in six, 12 months' time. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, lads, in the case that, look, we still have a football team to, to constructively uh, to talk about on this podcast. And I think that is the main thing. And so, you know, once you take a step back, um, and it was it was it Shankly who said you know to coin a really cringy footballing cliche that I, I don't I don't go straight in for that whole Brian Clough it's much more important than life and death etc I think okay of all the unimportant things in life football is the most important and so I'm just grateful that we still have a club that we can come on here and talk about every week. Actually, I have thought of a positive. Lewis O'Brien is the positive for me this season. He's the man we should be building our team around next year. There you go. Only took me ten minutes to think of one. I think, yeah, it's similar to you know what everyone else has just said. The fact that we've we've got a team to support going into next season's the biggest thing. When financially, you know, things could have taken a taken a turn. Similar to what you said, Greg, it is nice to have a players like Schofield, um, well, former players, still having a role at the club. Because I think it is is nice. Because I'm sure at some point he's going to get one or two games when he's when he gets called upon uh, to take the first team at some point. But um it, that I think that's good having players like O'Brien um knocking about and hopefully you can well as fans we know we can hang the hat on him to perform and play well and he's 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 kind of one of his own a little bit and hopefully we can we can start to build around players like that. It's a shame that we don't see too many around like the next where the next Lewis O'Brien might come from, but you know, as much as you know, it's we're all a bit, you know, lethargic about sporting town and, and going into next season. But actually, you know, come that first day of the season, naturally, like the sun will be out. Everyone's got some new shirt on, and you know, we'll have a new team, new manager. Pete, you know, the summer will almost be forgotten about until we concede from the first set piece, and then. Um, it's back to normal but I do think that you know let the dust settle a little bit and and see how we go because the you know there's there's always a risk to a new manager but you know you, sometimes you can't help but get excited then the Carlos had a dream chance will be there and we'll be like Cowley who and you know the drums are banging and we're back but um, no we'll we'll see what the next few months bring and hopefully at some point next season we can all we can all actually get to a game and and, and cheer us on, but we'll um, we'll see. But I think yeah, I've got to support what what the lads have said there, really. And you know, and we're still town is still there. We've got to be thankful for that. 
I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We get three weeks off without having to do this again. We don't have to worry about any shitty town performance for at least four, five weeks. And then, then we'll play Radcliffe Borough. Mounier will score a hat-trick and we'll be like, yeah, come on, boys. This is it. This is our year. We've got it sorted. Carlos, he knows what he's doing. He's amazing. This, this is wow. Those non-leaguers, they might be working a part-time shift at lunchtime at the pub, but I'll tell you what, we've made them all fools tonight. We look fantastic. Championship is shitting themselves. We're all over them. We've got a right team out. This is amazing. I can't wait. That's what's going to happen. We might not have a sponsorship on the shirt because that's still not sewn up yet. But at least Phil then doesn't have to try and stop the game. So, hey, win-win. Better than last year. At least start on a positive. I thought it was supposed to be a positive, Ian. Poor that. I expect better of you. I've got a positive. We don't have to watch it for three weeks. It's great, man. There's no training. There's nothing. We can't... We, Right, surely for three weeks it can be at least a little bit calm. Yeah. Please. The, these 3 a.m. recordings are doing me in. I'll be, I just can't handle any more of them. It's, it's just been... these. We started, what, six, seven episodes ago. And when we started this, we didn't expect it to be such a roller coaster. What have we been through? A manager, 48 players. Matt Adeda coming in, one more win. Coming together. Devo and his fake plants. No sponsorship again next year. Phil Hodgkinson having a meltdown on Twitter. This is like seven weeks worth of work and we've had more than most football clubs have in 10 years. It's just, I need a rest, Greg. I can't handle any more of this. But it is, it is, it is like, let's, let's be honest, it is nice that A, we can, we can have a little bit of time off and B, have something to kind of look forward to um, for once. Whatever that may be is probably the big question. But, um, Gentlemen, thank you very much. I've been Grimara, Thomas Furbank, Cameron Pope, Ian Kilroy, Gareth Kay, and Matty Gabrielli. We've all been stars. Um, we'll see you in the new season, hopefully. Um, and, and we'll see what that brings. But it has been a roller coaster uh, these last five, six weeks. And again, you know, it has been only five, six weeks. Bloody annoying. I'll tell you that. Let's have a beer, let's have a rest, and uh, it will kick off back in September. Thank you, one and all.